when I tell people I'm a weaver or woven textile designer, they say, oh, that's pretty niche. That, that can't be that, you know, popular these days. And you just think, well, you know, every fabric you wear, sit on, that's all around you is either knitted or woven and someone's got to design it. Hello and welcome to Also in Pink, the podcast all about lifestyle design, how we live, the clothes we choose and how we organize our space. I'm your host, Alexandria Lawrence, a certified KonMari consultant and personal stylist. I'm here to guide you on your journey to live a happy, fulfilled life. Every Tuesday, you'll get new insight on what it means to live well, plus actionable tips. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life. Our guest today is textile designer Beatrice Larkin. Beatrice designs the most gorgeous woven fabrics characterized by her inky line drawings and broken geometrics. She works with a mill in Lancashire, England to weave textiles made from the finest merino yarn. These are then sold as throws, cushions and fabric by the meter. She sells online to retailers such as Heels, Made.com and The Tate and to interior designers such as Studio Ashby and Conran and Partners. Well, Beatrice, welcome. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show and thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Delighted. And to give listeners a little bit of background, we met at Decorex last year and that's an interior design trade show in London. And I love going to design trade shows to see what's out there and meet people in the industry and they're often inspiring talks and just so much to see. So. I tend to walk around quickly and only stop when something catches my eye. And so I passed your stall and after purchasing one of your lovely cushions at Heels a few months before, it was fun to randomly happen on your stall at Decorex and recognize a few designs. And now a year later and here we are. (laughs) No, a lot has changed in the last year. Oh, it certainly has. So as a textile designer, you create these gorgeous throws and cushions and fabric by the meter. And I love this quote in which you describe your design aesthetic. A pattern which looks like it has just been created has a life to it. I make sure that initial sketch is still visible in the finished fabric. I love lines that don't quite meet, an ink blotch, a blurred and broken geometric. I think that's beautifully put. And yes, your gorgeous black and white patterns really do have a life to them. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so tell me more about your design process from your initial sketch to that finished cushion or throw in a shop. What does that design and production process look like? So, I mean, currently things are a little bit different, but my usual setup is that I'm based in East London and I have a studio where I design all my fabrics, starting off by hand drawings, like doodles and sketches, inspired by all sorts of things. Often the drawings are geometrics or some kind of pattern sort of repeat. And I will then put them into the computer and work them in changing scale and bringing bits in. And then I might add to it again, just drawing as well. So there's lots of different elements in the beginning stages. And then my mill's in Lancashire, so I I talk to the mill there and I put that design into a repeat pattern, deciding what scale that's going to be across the width of the cloth. 
and currently I work with a monochrome palette so my first step in the production would be to order my yarn. It's an Australian merino but it's Italian spun and the yarn is it's usually used for higher knitwear. It's really extra fine merino and really like luxurious handle. And that's why I chose that yarn. It's actually probably the most expensive part of my product is the yarn, just to get that really, really beautiful soft handle at the end. So yeah, I ordered the yarn from the spinners in Italy that is sent to my mill in Lancashire, which I use. They then weave up the design on a jacquard loom the jacquard loom allows me to take that initial drawing and replicate it in a very sort of detailed way, which a dobby weaving or more traditional weaving can't give you the same effect, really. So that kind of hand-drawn quality that I was talking about, the jacquard loom can especially create that effect in that final fabric. So then once it's woven at the mill, it's then sent off to a finishers in Yorkshire. So the finishers take that loom state fabric and wash it and brush it. And the finished feel and quality of the fabric really comes, well, obviously it's a combination of the weaving and the finishing, but the, the washing process really creates the right pile and the right feel, the finished quality of the fabric. That's that feel. Yeah. And then it's sent down to my manufacturers and then made up into throws or cushions or it might be sent directly to me and then I'll send it off to my customers wherever they may be yeah amazing and what would you say the average time frame is for that process for creating that new design oh well the design process part is difficult to factor in but manufacturing I usually say six to eight weeks I try to sort of keep the design process happening constantly. So if I'm inspired, I'll like keep a note of it or do a drawing. And then I have like a catalogue of designs that I might want to take forward. And if I've got some time, I'll work on the designs with a plan to then put them into production. Right now, I've got some designs I'd really like to put in production. But because Christmas is coming up, I've got to focus on that first. So hopefully in the new year, I'll be then putting them in place. But yeah, six to eight weeks from ordering the yarn to finished product. If I wanted to bring in some new designs, that would take longer. So if I decided tomorrow to bring a new design, I would contact the mill, I'd probably sample it, it would come back to me maybe a metre or so of fabric, and then I would either say that's the right sort of scale or you've got the wrong picks per inch, so then I'll send it back to the mill. So yeah, if you're including a sampling process, yes, there's extra, but with the designs that they already have, ready to go that's six to eight weeks so that's what I mean in terms of if a customer comes to me that's what I give but if if it's a new design I mean it can be quicker because the design could be applied to the structure I already have in place I'm also at the moment I'm testing out some new yarns some recycled cotton so that again is bringing me in with sampling it starting from scratch because it's a different weight of yarn so it has a different picks per inch again I do that when I've got a bit of time and then I'm also running the business. So it's kind of like the day-to-day -day running and then sampling and testing when I've got a bit of time. Yeah, so it can be a slow process. Yes, and it's a lot to fit into a schedule, isn't it? I understand that myself, of course, producing something and then running a business as well. It's certainly a lot. Do you have any kind of team in place to help with the business side of it or do you do it all yourself at the moment? just me really I employ people on freelance basis so I work with a friend of mine who's a graphic designer 
the last few years, I've had like business mentors and that type of thing in terms of running the business and figuring out how to run the business because they don't teach you that at college, really. I think through those mentorship programs that I've worked with, I had a studio at Cockpit Arts and there was a business hub there. So I got advice through that for a period of time. Yeah, it is at the moment on my own, really most of it. And prior to lockdown this year, I actually also had a part-time job. So since March this year, that's the first time I've been full-time on my own business. So I've really seen a difference there and that's been quite a change. That's amazing. And I believe the pandemic also caused you to move from your usual base in East London to Whitstable, a lovely seaside town in Kent. And are you still in Whitstable with your family by the sea? Yeah, I'm still here. Throughout my studies and at the beginning of starting up my business, I worked as a duty manager in a music venue in London. So obviously the music industry is in great difficulties at the moment. And the venue that I worked at has been shut since March. So most of us have been made redundant from our positions there. So there's no real reason at the moment for me to go back to London. I've got a base. I still have my place in London and I'm subletting my place there and still staying with family because I've got space here and I'm by the sea. And yeah, it's like full time on my business now, which is what I've wanted to do for a while. But it's just taken a global pandemic to sort of <laughs> get me to the next step, I suppose. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. It's put life in perspective in many ways. Yeah, definitely. So would you say that you've had any kind of lockdown realization that's changed your perspective or your priorities? The last few years, I've really wanted to take my business full time. There's a mixture of things. I think living in London is incredibly expensive. It's a risky and scary thing to go full time on something like this, which it's a tricky thing to make it work. And I think I was relying a lot on that part time job to keep me going. But actually, being full-time in my business, I've seen it grow in the last six months. So it's kind of made me realise this is the right thing. And sometimes you've got to take those risks, you know. I feel incredibly lucky that I have this sort of business as well, you know. And it's not been so far too affected by everything that's happening. So, yeah, I think that's the biggest realisation that I can make it work. Also, I was... My part-time job, I was working with a lot of other people. So I think that was part of me that was worried because I love working with other people. So my business is predominantly on my own. So that was a bit scary to go full throttle into like everyday studio on my own. It's working out okay. I mean, you don't get a massive amount of FOMO when everyone else is also <laughs> just stuck inside. So very true and you have the sea as compensation as well i imagine yeah that is pretty great i live yeah. five minutes walk from the sea so oh yeah oh it's a beautiful part of the country i know it well too yeah so do you think it's given you the time and headspace to focus on your business in a way then that you haven't been able to before it definitely has thinking back now i don't know how i lived my life so frantically in london it's kind of crazy now I mean, I said I had another job and sometimes I'd work other jobs as well. Like one time I had like three jobs at the same time as running my business. And I thought it was the best thing for my business. But actually, I've now got all of my headspace to focus on where I'm taking it. And I just think the headspace that kind of is an inspiration in itself, you know, 
So yeah, that's been, that's been great. That's so true. Yeah. So with your design process, you're saying you always have designs on the go. How deliberate is it when you set out to create a new design? Do you build in a lot of unstructured time into your day to imagine and create and something comes out of that? Or do you ever say, okay, I'm going to take a couple hours here and just work on it no matter what? I wish it was a bit more structured. In the summer, I had a good amount of time where I, I spent like a few weeks actually just on new designs and that was really great. I would love to be able to sort of structure it though. So every week I had at least like half a day on new designs, but I think until my business gets a little bit bigger, I, I can't prioritize that because the problem is in my dream world, I'd be designing all day, but I can't produce and hold that much stock. And that's the tricky bit. I have so many ideas to sort of make new fabrics and design new collections, but I can't, you know, as a small business, produce them at the moment. In fact, right now I'm trying to discontinue some designs in order to bring some new ones in because I, I just can't hold the, the multiples of product and designs at the moment. I'd love to bring in some new colorways. I don't know how it happened, but I am sort of known for these monochromes, which I love, but it was kind of accidental that it ended up that way. So I'd love to bring in some colorways too. I mean, part of the reason I end up with monochromes was because it kind of gives you a, a core range in that respect. Because I can't keep up as a small business with designing as often as bigger brands would, I don't really love the idea of designing for a trend. So I'd love my fabrics to have like more of a timeless quality, I suppose. And I guess that's why I think like, the monochromes kind of fitted well. Colours sometimes can go in and out of season and out of trends, but I still have ideas for colourways and I'd love to bring in some new things in, in the new year, but we'll see. Yeah, like I said, I have to hold myself back, if anything. Yes, I can understand that. And can you give us any sneak peek into colourways or is that top secret until next year? I just did a new collection, an exclusive colorway for heels this autumn winter, which has just come out actually. So I'm not going to be taking that forward because it's exclusive for them, but it's this kind of bright cobalty blue, which was exciting to do. And actually like the feedback from the sort of the bright, bold colors has been really, really good to hear because that's the thing you can split people, I think, you know, but yeah, I love like sort of rusty colors at the moment. And I did color trials last year and I went for these kind of dusky pinks. The trials came back and I did love them, but actually they were quite difficult to photograph because they were really subtle. So like, that's the other thing as well. I've got to think about, you know, that as well. So yeah, I'm still trying to figure out where to go. Oh, that's all very exciting. New directions. That's wonderful. Imagine if you live the life you really want, you know, your dream life. Have you ever taken time to picture what it would look like? I mean, what it would really look like? We're not talking about the life you feel you should have, but deep down, the life you secretly want, your ideal life. Maybe you already have a vision. You wake up after a good night's sleep on the most comfortable mattress ever, with pillows that support your head just the way you like. You go to your organized closet and choose colorful, unique clothes that fit you and make you feel good. Then pad through a clean, warm, uncluttered home to the kitchen. Your refrigerator offers up the most delicious, healthy options for breakfast. 
and you have a day of unstructured time stretching ahead of you to do with as you like. But that's never going to happen, right? Wouldn't it be nice to take a step back, sweep aside all your worries and imagine that's where I come in? I'm your host, Alexandria Lawrence, and I've developed an exclusive questionnaire for the Also in Pink community to help you create a vision of your ideal life. Simply join the Also in Pink email list and you'll get instant access to our Ideal Lifestyle Vision questionnaire. Go on then. Make a cup of your favorite tea or whatever floats your boat. Go to alsoinpink.com and click Start Now. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life. So Beatrice, you have a background in textile design, don't you? It's in your blood. And I think your mum's a textile designer and your father an interiors consultant. Yes, yeah. My mum studied embroidery, so that's kind of what her side is. But now she buys and sells antiques and vintage pieces, but also makes her textiles from like vintage linens and that type of thing. And my dad has a interior design business in Canterbury. Obviously, that was an influence on me. And I went into weaving. I wanted to be a bit different, I suppose. Yeah, so I've been surrounded by fabrics like my whole life. And in my house growing up, you'd never know what we owned and what was for sale as well, because it was full <laughs> of beautiful objects. But they like some things would just have price like labels on and they'd be like either halfway through like being sold or in a fair or my mum does a lot of antiques fairs and vintage fairs and that type of thing. I don't know if it was super sensible, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I've gone into the same business as them. And how about sustainability in the textile industry? There are so many factors that contribute to how sustainable a product is. Of course, the materials being used, consumption of water, energy, chemical use and distance traveled. So what would you say you're doing well when it comes to sustainability? Well, I think starting from the material itself, like wool has always been something I've loved working with. I think it's one of the most amazing fibres. It's renewable and it is one of the most sustainable as well. I've always wanted to also use British mills, understanding where everything comes from and how it's made. And then also the end product as well. Hopefully they're kind of like heirloom pieces. As a customer, you'd be buying into something that's not a throwaway item, you know. So in terms of my business, that's kind of where I stand on sustainability. At the end of the day, you are just making more things to produce in the world. So I'm always trying to think of what I can do or how I can get better with my product. And I think that's always a learning process for any business that's producing more stuff, isn't it? I'm also looking at other yarns at the moment. So Decorex was good for me last year because I've wanted to get into the fabric by the meter world and more for upholstery, soft furnishings, whereas before I was doing product. My fabric currently, because of the extra fine merino and the way it's woven, is not quite right for upholstery still. So that's again why I have been looking at working with recycled cotton to produce a fabric that might be more suitable for upholstery and meet sort of the rub count necessary for upholstery fabrics and yeah I think it's just being conscious of every single part of your product and the way it's produced and being aware 
of all the issues that could be involved as well. And trying to get that message across to your customer, I think, is important. But also not using it as a marketing ploy. I think that's something that I have a real issue with sometimes. I just want to be honest about my product. And that's a big part of how I like to live, I guess, generally, is just being honest about production and where I'm coming from and what I do. So, yeah. Those are all great principles. Storytelling, I think, with your customers, with anything about your brand is such a a key aspect. I'm sure people are always really curious to learn more about the process, about everything, really. It's also funny, you forget when you study weaving or when it's so much part of your life, you forget how people just don't really know about how fabrics are made. I've had it more than once when I tell people I'm a weaver or woven textile designer, they say, oh, that's pretty niche, that that can't be that you know, popular these days. And you just think, well, you know, every fabric you wear, sit on, that's all around you is either knitted or woven and someone's got to design it. And then, you know, there's the kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I do love it. And people do love when I start talking about it. It can be difficult as well not to get too technical because I do start talking about the weaving process and then you realise some people don't actually have any clue about how a fabric how it's made so um kind of got to judge the room I think there (laughs) that's very true so Beatrice where do you see yourself say in a year you hinted at some new designs colors yarns and productions in the next year what would be a real success for you to have happen in the next year this autumn winter I've just launched a collection with made.com that was quite exciting I've never worked on sort of a royalties job before I'd like to work with more brands and design for other people as well that's hopefully on my agenda I've launched a new rug with heels so that should be coming out spring summer next year and for my own collection I would like to Bring in some new colourways. I'd like to use some new yarns to do like fabric by the meter in terms of upholstery fabric and meet those demands because hopefully that will expand me and more into the interior design world. That's quite a lot in a year though. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I think I would like to expand the project range, work with new brands like collaboratively or designing for, change up my yarn to create new fabrics and If I launch new colorways, then that will be a big job too, but we'll see. And would you say that you have a daily habit or ritual that brings you joy? Well, at the moment, yes. My neighbours have a dog called Bryn and I've been taking him for walks every day along the beach. And I went for an hour and a half walk this morning. And yeah, that is what's bringing me joy at the moment. I mean, they keep on thanking me for walking him and I'm just like, no, (laughs) thank you. Because it's like literally the thing I look forward to most days. Yeah, so that's been really great. And just kind of leaving my phone at home as well and just going for a walk along the beach with a dog. Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh, can't do much better than that. (laughs) And... Would you say that you have a vision of what your ideal life looks like? Is that something you've ever thought about or considered? You know, it's funny. I've been going through a lot of old notebooks when I was doing sort of business mentorship and business projections. And I found this timeline that I drew in like July 2017. It was a timeline until July 2020 because you meant to project what's going to come up for the next three years of your business. And in July 2020, it said build a studio and move to the sea. And I was like, 
my god i've done it so it's just bizarre (laughs) it's not quite you know in the way i thought it would happen but because i grew up around here i've always kind of felt like i wanted to live by the sea i'd like to have my own house by the sea and i love to have my own studio and have my own dog as well not be borrowing the neighbor's dog to take walks (laughs) and yeah it's just trying to figure out whether it's the right thing for me at the moment to stay here because i do also have a drive to be back in London you know it does get an addictive way of living in London and I do miss that although I know that's not a reality now anyway but yeah it's just trying to figure out whether that's actually something I want to do now live by the sea permanently we'll see I do love it here it's a very different headspace Oh, for sure. And it's lovely to be able to test it out, really. That's what you're doing, giving it a test drive, life by the sea with a dog. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and what's your top tip for living well? Something my listeners can take away with them and maybe apply in their own lives. My big thing at the moment is (laughs) very mundane, but just (laughs) like sleeping, just sleep a good number of hours a night and it's made all the difference for me. I live on quite a busy road in London. I don't think I really knew like what proper sleep was for a long time. And also (laughs) because I used to work at a music venue, I used to work nights. So I would be a lot of late nights working and I've completely changed my schedule. I try to go to sleep by 11 o'clock and, you know, and then up in the morning and just to have that schedule is really lovely to sleep properly. Yes, the best. Sleep is the best, yes. (laughs) Excellent advice. (laughs) And for buying your products, so listeners can browse and buy your lovely products directly from you on your website. Yeah. Yeah. And how about if a particular design is currently sold out or out of stock? Did you say you're discontinuing a few or is there any kind of waiting list people can get on if they'd like a, a design that's currently out of stock? It's definitely worth getting in touch because I do put new orders in. So it might just be that I'm putting another order in soon that has that design in any way. It just might be longer than usually I say three day delivery. So it might be if I'm putting a new weave order in, it will be another six to eight weeks. But often people don't seem to mind. It depends. Obviously, now we're coming up to Christmas. So people do mind if it's a Christmas present or something. But it might be that I will have it back in stock or it's coming through yeah it's always worth getting in touch and i don't have a waiting list as such but yeah just email me and it might be possible excellent that sounds very exciting (laughs) possibility is always exciting isn't it and do you ship worldwide as well do you ship to the states and uk yeah anywhere it's free uk shipping as well great Well, we've reached the finale, so now there's a round of quickfire questions to finish off the show. So, what's your most treasured possession? And, of course, no judgment. A quilt that my mum made the year I was born. Yeah, so I still have that. It's a bit tatty now. It's kind of 80s style, actually. (laughs) It wouldn't be a look I'd go for now, but, you know, the sentimentality of it, that's why I love it. But, yeah, it's kind of falling apart. I need to repair it a bit, actually. But I do love a quilt. I love a patchwork quilt. And my mum used to make a lot, but, yeah. And what's your favourite article of clothing or accessory in your current wardrobe? Oh, that is a tricky one because, like, living by the sea and not really going out much recently in terms of having a social life. (laughs) I'm just... My pyjamas, maybe? (laughs) No, no, I won't say my pyjamas. I'd have to say my silver jewellery. I wear... Not at the moment, but I wear a lot of rings. And when I put my rings on... 
I really feel like I'm ready to face the day. I don't know. It kind of feels like almost not weaponry is the wrong word, but like, you know, it makes you feel strong. And that's a very real thing, isn't it? Sort of dressing for how you want to feel or accessorizing. So yes, power can come from your jewelry. <laughs> Absolutely. And where do you go to get inspired? Well, I mean, at the moment, headspace by the sea. But if I'm in London, back in my old life, I used to love just walking around the Barbican. That was a big inspiration to me. I love the brutalist architecture. I love the greenhouse area in there as well. Just love the Barbican. Yeah. Oh, I know that area well. I did my postgrad studies at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. So yeah, just around there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what's one book or resource that you'd recommend for everyone? I mean, it might not be for everyone, but for weavers, there's a website called The Weave Shed. And that has a lot of well, everything to do with weaving, actually. So in terms of mills, yeah, different production, different yarn suppliers. It's a whole world of weaving on a website. It's quite niche, but, you know, if anyone's into their <laughs> weaving. I love it. Whole world of weaving on a website. Yeah. And this is a very KonMari question. What would you say that you're grateful for? I always feel so grateful I have and I always kind of have had a drive within me to create and make and my creativity I suppose and that's something that you don't ever really lose I don't think I'm never bored I always have something to do in terms of designing something new making something new and I'm so glad I have that within me always you know I feel for people that don't have a real passion in life or a drive and yeah I'm really grateful for that absolutely and finally, what do you love most about life? I feel very lucky that I'm around my family and a lot of people at this moment are not. So, yeah, I'm living with my brother. My parents live down the road. That's quite tricky as well, being so close to your family. But I think I'm, I'm so grateful I get to see them. And, you know, a lot of people aren't in that situation at the moment and can't see close family. So, yeah, that's what I love in life at the moment. Well, thank you so much, Beatrice. It's been a great pleasure having you on the show and speaking with you about textiles, design, jacquard weaves, all of these lovely things. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's been great. Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with textile designer Beatrice Larkin. Be sure to check out her episode page on the Also in Pink website. There's a link in the show notes. You'll see a gallery of gorgeous woven creations, a video about her design process, and links to all her social media and collections. In the mood for some early Christmas shopping? Go on then, you know you want to. So, here are some key takeaways from our conversation. With design, it's all about quality. Beatrice works with extra fine merino wool, most often used in high-end knitwear. This gives her products that beautiful, soft, luxurious handle. Yes, they are heirloom pieces and I can personally vouch for the quality. I've had one of her cushions on my sofa for nearly two years and it still looks as good as the day I got it. And it's up to all of us to work harder and minimize our environmental impact. If you're in any doubt about the reality of climate change and its impact on our world, David Attenborough's latest film, A Life on Our Planet, really brings home the urgency. 
Let's take the long view and work together to make our world a better, more tolerant, more sustainable home for us and for future generations. That's our show then. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Alexandria and this is Also in Pink, the podcast all about lifestyle design. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to Also in Pink wherever you get your podcasts. And the absolute best way to show your support is to write a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. This really helps more than anything to promote the show. And of course, tell all your friends. Thank you so much for your support. Until next time, have a wonderful week. Redefine what's possible and create your ideal life.